John came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, which makes him like the kind of person who shows up in your room in the dark of the morning while you're snoozing peacefully and says, I'm going to turn the lights on now. How do you react when you hear those words? Usually not very favorably. Usually you bury your head further into the pillow. Usually that's not what you want, to have somebody turn the lights on, ripping you out of sleep, and having your eyes be all bleary because you can't see in that kind of light. But this, this is exactly what John the Baptist came to do. And that's why we hear this gospel lesson on Christmas morning. The lights are turning on. And there's a question for every person in this world when the lights come on. Are you going to bury your head back in the pillow? Or are you going to recognize that it is time to wake from slumber? That it is time to get up? That it is daytime? That the light has come and now it is time to be alive and not, and not be asleep? Now notice that there are all different kinds of reasons why you might object to getting out of bed in the morning. You have something ahead of you which you don't want to do. You have to go to work, you have to go out in the cold, you have to do some chores, whatever it might be. Those are all reasons why getting out of bed is difficult, why you want to keep the lights off, why you want to keep your head, your face, buried in that pillow. But you also know that there are times when you are very glad to get out of bed. Think about Christmas morning. What is it that gets every child up on Christmas morning? It is not somebody threatening, I'm going to turn the lights on now. But instead, it's this joyous news, this hope that under the Christmas tree, there are presents just waiting to be ripped open. That's the kind of light that is coming into this world. It is not a light that is meant to hurt us or to put us to task or to make us bleary, bleary-eyed and miserable. But instead, it is a joyous light, a light that shows us a gift, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life long awaited, long hoped for. Rather than thinking of ourselves as slumbering peacefully through the middle of the night, we should instead think of ourselves as watchmen, the Bible so often describes us, as watchmen who stand on the walls waiting for daylight to come. And when somebody arrives announcing that the light is here, the light is coming, there it is, I can see it on the horizon, the watchman rejoices because at long last what we have been waiting for has arrived. That's what we're here this morning to celebrate. That's what the church celebrates every Christmas. That's what Christians rejoice in day after day, that no longer is our world shrouded in darkness. If you look around you, if you look at the world, you will see darkness. Now, it's true that you will see lots of frail and sort of fleeting attempts at providing light. The world thinks that there are things to be hopeful about. Look, some progress. Look, we're doing a little bit better. Look, the stock market went up. Look, we've got hope ahead of us. But all of those lights, in comparison with the true light, it's like being in the middle of your house, the power's gone out, it's the dead of night, there's no moon outside, and you pull out your cell phone hoping that this is going to light up your house. It doesn't work. It doesn't cut it. Pulling out a lighter and flipping that light on, hoping that that's going to show you the way, it won't do it. And in fact, that light's going to go out eventually. Your cell phone battery's going to die. The lighter's going to run out of fuel. We have something better, something better than the world could ever offer, something better than any of the hopes that we could have imagined for ourselves because God himself has taken on human flesh. God himself has come into our world to be our light. That, that's the promise of heaven. When you read the book of Revelation, you see that no longer is there a need for sun and moon and stars. Why? Because Jesus is there shining brightly as the sun, showing us what is true and good 
and holy. That's what we're here to celebrate today. Jesus has come. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The same word that God used in the beginning when he said, let there be light, and there was light. That word is now laying in the manger to grow up and go to the cross and die for you and me. Not to remain dead, but to rise again on the third day so that we can live eternally. Now, the world does not know this light, and it is tragic. And you can see it all around you. You heard it in our gospel lesson. He came into the world, and the world did not know him. The very world that was made through him. Jesus, the voice that spoke into the darkness, let there be light. The world doesn't recognize him, and it is tragic. There's a story in the Old Testament, kind of an obscure story, but it's worth knowing, that illustrates this point really well. So King David was a good king, probably one of the best. He trusted in God. And he took over the throne of Israel after King Saul had fallen from grace, had stopped trusting in God, had committed grievous sins. And in fact, one of the sins that had been committed at the time before David was that the Ark of the Covenant, you heard about that in our Old Testament lesson, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the place where God would come down from heaven and deliver mercy to his people. It was called the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant had been stolen. The people of Israel thought they could use the Ark to kind of coerce God, to manipulate him. Oh, if we take the ark with us out into battle, he'll have to fight for us. But if you've seen Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know that that's not how it works. You can't manipulate God. You can't use him that way. And so the ark was stolen by the Philistines. And then, eventually, the Philistines can't handle having the ark near them, and so they send it back to Israel, and it ends up in some farmhouse out in the countryside in Israel because nobody wants to touch it. They can't be near it. Long after that, years and years later, decades later, King David is the king, and he says, we have to bring the ark back to its home. It's the presence of God. It's his mercy among us. How can we live without the mercy of God? And so he gets the ark, and he starts to bring it back to Jerusalem. And it's a wonderful parade. It's a celebration. There's kind of a tragedy along the way. Somebody touches the ark to stop it from tottering over, and that person falls dead just like that. And everybody's terrified, and they say, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't bring the ark to Jerusalem. And they set it aside again in somebody's farmhouse and wait. And that guy receives great blessings from God because the ark is with him. And so David says, at long last, we can bring the ark home. Let's go get it. Let's bring it home. They bring it home, and along the way, there's a parade and music and dancing. And David, the Bible says, is dancing his heart out because God is coming to Jerusalem. The ark is coming home. David is rejoicing because the light has come. Back in Jerusalem, however, as the procession is making its way and David is dancing in the streets, David's wife is looking from a window. And she sees out in the streets David dancing ecstatically, out of his mind, rejoicing that the ark is here. And she frowns at him and she despises him. And she says, why are you making such a fool of yourself? You're embarrassing yourself in front of all of these people. Why are you acting like this? And David says, God is coming to Jerusalem. God is coming home. The ark is here. The light has come. How can I do anything except for rejoice and dance? You see, David's wife didn't understand. She didn't appreciate. She didn't rejoice at the coming of the light. She didn't grasp it. She didn't receive it. She thought that the only thing that mattered was for David to act in a dignified and royal way. But David knew something far more important was happening. When God is near you, when God chooses to draw near to you, you should pull out all the stops 
You should rejoice, you should sing as if no one's listening, you should dance as if no one is watching because this is the one thing that matters above all else, that God has come. And so the ark came to Jerusalem and God's presence was there with his people and there was great rejoicing. And that was for a time and it was only temporary, provisional. Again, the ark was later stolen, was taken away. It was a box made of wood and covered with gold. How could that truly save God's people? And that's why Christmas matters so much. Something better than the ark is here. Something better than a box is here. Something more worth dancing about and more worth singing for has arrived. Jesus, the very Son of God, the light, has come into the world. Let us not be like David's wife, looking out the window, despising anyone who would lose their minds over such a great joy. Let us instead be like David. Cut out all the stops. Pull out all the stops. Rejoice. Praise God. Receive the light. The light has come for you. The gospel writer puts it this way. He says, we have seen his glory. Now, the glory of a thing is what makes it worthwhile, what makes it good. So the glory of the sun is that it shines on us, that it gives us heat, that it warms us up, that it makes the plants grow. That's the glory of the sun. The Bible says that the glory of a man is his wife, and the glory of a wife is her husband, that the glory of parents is their children, and the glory of children is their parents. This is the glory of God, that he has come to be with us, that he has made us his children. You might think, and so often the world thinks, that the glory of God is being far off and distant, sitting in his armchair and watching the world spin away, but that's not it at all. This is the glory of God, that he would send his Son to be near to us, to draw near to us in humility, to forgive our sins, to suffer and die for us, to give us life, to make us his own children. That is God's glory, and we have seen it. We have seen it because we have heard the preaching of the angels We've heard the message of John, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have seen it, this glory, because we have the forgiveness of sins. That's what we're here to celebrate. And that's why when John comes saying, I'm going to turn the lights on now, you all know that it is time to get up. It's time to get out of bed. Don't bury your head back in the pillow. Don't long for just a little bit more slumber. Instead, live in this light. Live as children of God. Rejoice in all that is good and true. Love God's law. Rejoice to walk in his commands. Treasure this, that your Savior has died for you, that you are the children of God. What could be better than that? To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.